Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to do a follow-up to our episode on the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever. I just wanted to take the time and thank you guys so, so much. The interest in this cut of this movie has allowed us to have our hugest episode of all time by a massive margin. So I just wanted to thank everyone that listened to that episode. I'm Justin. I'm your host. And after this episode came out, a lot of talk, a lot of discussion, a lot of people commenting. And we actually had the guy, the guy, reach out to us that is slightly responsible for this, and he's here on the show to talk about it. I'd like to welcome Joe Black. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you officially. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Glad to, glad to come on your show. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. I think it was it was wild because, you know, I had a mutual friend reach out to me and, and mention you, and then a lot of people commented your name. Um, in our last episode, ladies and gentlemen, you probably already listened to it. Um, we didn't know who it was that was involved with the Schumacher cut in terms of it being screened and all of that stuff. So uh, it was very quick that people were telling us, and you actually found our Facebook page and you commented. And uh, I was really happy to connect with you and discuss this further because it's insane to me. I mean, I've been interested uh, in this cut of this movie and been a part of the movement for about three or four years now. But since our episode dropped, it's been massive. I mean, the interest in this is huge so again i'm not going to try to pry too deep here with you or anything but so how did you get involved or what was your first entry into being connected to the schumacher cut whatever you're available to say yeah yeah um well i um you know uh i think that we're probably around the same age here um batman 89 was actually the first movie i ever saw in a theater Wow. Um, but, uh, Bat- yeah. And I don't remember seeing it, but I do remember seeing Batman returns, but Batman forever was the first one where I was like cognizant enough for it to be like a thing for a long yeah. time. You know what I mean? Like cutting out the cereal box characters and like, Oh you know, yeah. The the toys same thing. Yeah. 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 R- the Kellogg's pops with Val Kilmer on it, you know, and then re- recording the, uh, the commercials every time they'd come on, on TV, I'd record it on our tapes, you know? Um, just beyond excited to see, uh, to see this movie. And, um, you know, I remember convincing myself, I remember it was the first movie that I convinced myself that I liked, um, cause I didn't really, but like I needed to, I needed to like it. So I watched it and listening to your podcast, it was kind of, it's kind of funny because like, I think we have a very similar connection to the movie in a way that like you were quoting it so perfectly even like rhythmically like that's how ingrained this movie is in you and and in me you know what i mean and um like you a couple of years ago a few years ago i heard about this infamous schumacher cut um and uh that got me really jazzed because uh i you know i'm a filmmaker i live in los angeles i'm a filmmaker and um joel schumacher is actually like one of my top like one of my absolute top uh filmmakers and you go back and you you know look at his work that was like leading up to that you look at things like saint elmo's fire and the lost boys and flatliners and falling down all those actually seem like an interesting trajectory to make a batman movie definitely like you could see why they're like who needs to follow tim burton the guy who made flatliners 
universe. You know, like that actually makes a lot of sense. But then you see Batman Forever, and it's so like goofy. It, it's like oddly goofy, but like it still has that Schumacher like eroticism to it. And that, oh, you know what I mean? Like one hundred percent. Yeah. As a kid, I didn't and, notice and, it, but as an adult, it's very clear. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like even his color palette is like an erotic color palette. It's it's pretty cool. Like he he was a genius, uh, R.I.P. But um, but getting older and seeing Schumacher's work and understanding it better and stuff, you kind of start. I kind of started to understand why I didn't care for Batman Forever and why I did like Batman and Robin, which I still do. That's that's a bombshell that right there. That's a bombshell. <laughs> well, well. But 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 Batman Forever is you can tell it was fucked with. You can tell that somebody made one movie, and the studio said, "No no 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 no, guys, come on!" Like you know what I mean? Like like you know, throw in the laundry. Throw, you know, like we need to reel this in because we need to sell toys. And then what I like about Batman and Robin is that you can tell that the people who made it went into it saying, "Okay, so they just want a toy movie," you know? So like they just purely you know like sold into that like you know goofy 60s aesthetic and it's consistent and fun and i think i think it works i do agree with that it wasn't yeah i agree with that that's why i love batman and robin and i mean much like you just said when i saw it opening night at the age of 14 i didn't feel that way but as i got older and adult and i would keep watching it over and over again I don't use the word guilty pleasure because I don't believe in it. I don't think anyone should ever feel guilty for liking something or loving something. So I just like it and love it and enjoy watching it. And um, I I agree with you 100%. It's unapologetic in terms of how it's broad it is. And just, I mean, it it is what it is. It's, It's the purest form of what that type of movie should be. Right, exactly. And you either dig it or you don't, you know what I mean? And um, they, they actually just, which, which that's the kind of thing that bums me out about how people talk about Batman forever is that like, or Batman and Robin is it like, no, it's not a bad movie. They didn't fuck up. They didn't make a mistake. You know, no, it's just, you're not into it. You know, there are some movies where they just like did not do their job. This one, they did their job and you just don't dig it. Like that's, that's a totally different that, that's, story. That's some, like truth right about- there. that's some truth right there. I got to say. Yeah, well, and I like what you said about guilty pleasure, because whenever anybody tells me that something is a guilty pleasure to them, all that tells me is that they're afraid of who they are in the context of society, which it's like, don't be afraid of who you are, like, like, be yourself and people will be okay with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, as long as you understand why. So like, you know, when I, in front of Kevin's audience mentioned, I like Batman and Robin more than, you know, Batman forever, they like freaked out, but it's like, that, that's not going to hurt my feelings because, of course, you know, like, like having a conversation with you, even in the, you know, 10 minutes that you and I have been talking or whatever, like we can create context. And I think you can tell that like, I'm not coming at it from anything other than the truth of myself, you know? So anyways, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that you said that about guilty pleasure. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. I just really no, like it's okay. Said that that's, that's, that's been yeah. um, one of my monikers for a long time. That and my my main moniker is film is subjective, and I interject that any opportunity that I get, and that also applies to what you're referring to right now with Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. So. Right, right, yeah, and and I think that like speaking to subjectivity versus objectivity, I think that when people speak of film objectively they use the word rules when really I think that the only truth objective truth about filmmaking is that there are tools that you can use. 
to filmmaking. Like, like you can say objectively that like voiceover is a tool, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. it's not a rule on how to do something or a close up or I mean, you know, you can create whatever context you want. Um, so I, I, I dig where you're coming from. That's, that's excellent. So I heard about the Schumacher cut. I was like, Oh, that's dope. And then Schumacher dies. And I was like, that's not dope. That really sucks. Cause uh, I actually, I think was trespass his last movie. The, the Nicole Kidman, uh, Nick Cage movie. I think it was um, actually, if I, if I remember correctly, I don't have it in front of me, but if I remember correctly, that was his last movie. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It, you know, like it's one of those ones that like, you know, I could see people like discovering in this Nick Cage Renaissance and going, Oh, we, we slept on this one. This one's pretty good. Um, he never really lost it. You know what I mean? Like even, even in his seventies, like, like some filmmakers do, but, um, but when he died, it's like, okay, so that's not happening. Um, the Schumacher cut that we're starting to hear bubbles about. Yeah. And then you, and then Snyder happens and, um, you know, I, I gotta say, I personally, like, I did not care for the Snyder cut. I was very excited about it. I don't know how you feel. I'd like to ask you, if you don't mind, how you feel about Batman the, versus Superman. Um, well, I actually initially really, really enjoyed it. Um, and, and part of that was uh, th- that I, it took a big swing and it went for it and it wasn't going to be for everybody. But I like dark nihilistic movies. And I was like, well, you know what? The way that I view all these movies is there's always going to be something for everyone. Someone's always going to make another one and it's going to be another flavor. And before this, there was all these other flavors. So I was like, this one worked for me. And then I, I really enjoyed the uh, ultimate edition of that movie. And then I really like passionately loved the Snyder cut of Justice League. I mean, after wa- watching the Joss Whedon version, I mean, I, I remember posting like that. I thought it was okay because I was trying to be easy on myself, much like you said earlier about convincing yourself that you enjoy Batman forever. Mm-hmm. It was more or less like me trying to be like, it wasn't that bad, but it really was. But I'm trying to convince myself. Um, but when I saw the Snyder cut, it, it, it I, I loved it. It's one of my favorite comic book movies, probably top 20. But what that showed was, is that a movement of fans can actually, you know, predict or force a studio to make something that they want. It was the first mm-hmm. time, I think, in history where, you know, billboards that pe- fans were paying for, you know, to represent what they want to see uh, were up and people were just passionate about this thing. And it, and it happened. And Warner Brothers gave however many millions of dollars to Zack Snyder to finish the movie he envisioned and it came out and it did really well uh, in terms of streaming and all that stuff. But um, yes, so I've been a Snyder fan uh, since Man of Steel. Uh, well, prior to that, Dawn of the Dead and stuff. But I think the Snyder cultists right now are slowly ruining things for fans everywhere. So <laughs> it, it was it was cool to have that high of all of that. But now it's like, you know, I won't even get into all that stuff. Uh, but yes, so that's how I feel about those I, movies. I um, so I this this all ties into what you just said. I I actually think that Batman Begins was the death of the summer blockbuster. I think wow. that that's when summer. I I think that that's when summer blockbusters became information versus uh, emotion, like like. If you notice the uh, the way that Christopher Nolan shoots that movie, um, I'm not a fan of Christopher Nolan. I'll just preface that. 
like like I I don't I don't care for his work because to me film is an emotional connection and Nolan doesn't cut for emotion. Nolan or shoot for emotion. He shoots and cuts for information. You know the scene, I'm sure you're familiar with Batman uh, Begins, the scene where Ducard is sliding down the the mountain unconscious and Batman like jumps after him and fucking like yeah, you know, he, like, he uses the gauntlet, he slams it into yeah, ice and then dangles off his yeah. If you watch that sequence, the way that it's shot and cut, every single shot gives you a new piece of geographical information. Like that's how the scene is cut together. Like there's no there's no shot in that sequence that actually is about what Bruce is feeling in that moment. You don't feel Bruce's anxiety. You don't feel the 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 suspense of it. It's just about the rhythm of the spatial relation between the two because Nolan Nolan makes a movie assuming that you inherently understand what you're supposed to be feeling right now. Like that's how he makes movies. And again, I don't want to call that a criticism. I think that's crap. I think that that's terrible. And, and, and I think that Batman begins is, is actually the movie that killed the summer blockbuster. But I think that the dark Knight was an improvement though. Not much of one um, in, in the negatives. Like I think that the script is better for dark Knight, and Heath Ledger is just, you know, undeniably great in it. Of course. Um, yeah. But I do think that, I do think that movie uh, peaks about 40 minutes before it ends and notice that they steal the ending of, of Batman forever for that movie where in the dark night, Batman literally gets his suit with sonar modification to find, uh, you know, the Joker in his hideout lair that is, and he's making him choose between choose two between sides two that are going sides. to destroy. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just steals the, the, the Batman forever ending. And I, I remember watching that on opening night and going like, is he really, is he really like trying to do a second pass of the Batman forever finale? But um, it was better. But then the dark Knight rises. I loved because it was so, it was so goofy. It was so like dopey in a good way. No it was so theatrical. Oh my God. The, the summer that that came out, I was uh. making, um, I was making a movie called Yellow Bellies, and uh, I I took the cast and crew. We we paid for all of them to go see it uh, the day that it came out. My brother and I had seen it a few weeks beforehand, but we all went and saw it the day it came out. And I could not stop doing that the that the whole time. Perhaps I was wondering why someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of the No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. I used to. I, I was directing like that. Give it back to you, the people. Um, I thought Bane was brilliant. I thought that, and and I'm sorry, but you throw Matthew Modine in a movie, and you got me. Like he's, oh, for he's sure. like a cheat code. For sure. He's yeah. um, he and I share he and I share a birthday. He's my birthday buddy. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it because it wasn't trying to be anything other than this big like cartoonish thing. I thought it worked really well. You know, I I, I really love that and. Me and my buddies, when Batman Begins came out, we used to make fun of when he gets gassed in the face and he's in the back of the taxi and he's just going, person. We used to make fun of that all the time. And I was so disappointed that there wasn't anything like that in The Dark Knight. But in The Dark Knight Rises, when Miranda stabs him, he's doing that again. And me and my buddies, we all like cheered. He's doing that. We were like, yes, it's back. Like, um, 
but anyway, so I, I'm coming off of, you know, when I see uh, Batman versus Superman, I'm coming off of a decade of Batman that I can care less about. And then Man of Steel, I walk out of movies all the time. Like, I, I don't have time for it. You know what I mean? Like, like I've, I just walked out of one the other day. I walked out of uh, No Hard Feelings. Like, I walk out of movies all the time. Man of Steel was the hardest movie to get through that I've ever sat through for me. That's and interesting. I went, three other but, I went with three other buddies, and one of them left like 10 minutes into the movie. The other one had to leave about an hour to go to work. And I was like, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to, you know, I was watching it at Arclight in the dome, in the Cinerama dome in 3D on opening day, you know. And I turned to my remaining buddy at the end. I'm like, dude, that was horrible. And he straight up was just like, like he's passed out asleep. Man, I think I feel and, like we, we we couldn't be more opposite on that movie. <laughs> which is great. Like that that yeah. you know, like you said, I mean, that's that's kind of the point. You know what I mean? Like, for like sure, that's the for point sure. of all of it. So when they announced after that that Ben Affleck was going to be playing Batman, I told people that that must have been what Jesse Jackson felt like on the day that Barack Obama won the presidency. <laughs> where it's like oh my god i thought that i would never live to see this day oh but he's half white for me it was like oh i never thought that i'd live to see this day but it's being directed by Zack snyder and because ben affleck's my favorite actor and oh okay well. so i go i got invited to an early screening of batman versus superman on the warner brothers lot and um and this is about a month or two before it actually came out and there was only like 60 of us in there and we were blown away. Like I'm talking like on our feet cheering, just like mad for this movie. I was flabbergasted. I couldn't, I was like, Snyder's been leading up to this his whole career. I think the Batman versus Superman is one of the most important movies of the last, of the 21st century. Like I think it's- I, I, I gotta admit, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting you to go there with that, but this this is pretty, pretty yeah, impressive. And I, well, and, and, and the things that he does in that movie that are so like, like everybody talks about the Martha moment and I, I just, it blows my mind that people are missing so many complex like sides to that moment where like, it's not just like, oh, our moms have the same name. We're friends. That's such a stupid, reductive Disney propaganda, you know, hive mind mentality. Like it's, it's that moment. I noticed when we're watching the origin at the beginning, his father, his father, I noticed two things or three things rather that were different. One, there's a poster that says Excalibur coming soon as they're walking out of the, yeah, right? the theater. Two, and, yeah. You see later that Zora's on the thing, but like I, the first thing I clocked when I was watching, is was like Excalibur. What? Cause that's Zack Snyder's favorite movie. Fuck off. And then his dad, if you notice in this one, in all the other origins, it's always like, Either somebody scares the the the, the a, a attacker and he kills them, or Thomas Wayne tries to interfere with him hurting Martha, right? In this, they specifically stage it to where the robbery's going fine. Like, there's an exchange of goods, you know, whatever. And then Bruce watches his dad ball up his fist and take a wild swing at the guy, right? And that's what gets everyone killed. And And then the third thing I notice is that he doesn't give Bruce some parting wisdom or anything like that, like he does in the Nolan version or anything. His last thing he said is Martha. And I was like, whoa, like that's interesting. He's There's something going on here. And so when the Martha moment comes back in the movie, it's right after Ben Affleck goes to finally hunt 
Superman and Ben Affleck's character is like, he's on the, if there's a 1% chance, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. He says, I'm older now than my father ever was. We were born hunters. You know, he's got this mentality that he's building up. He's about to fucking kill Superman, which that fight I loved so much. That little like robo fist thing he was doing so good. Oh, it's fantastic. He's about yeah. to kill. Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. He's about to kill him. And he says, Martha, and he's Batman's like freaking out. Like, why the fuck did you say that name? And what's hitting him in that moment? There's so many layers to it. One, yes, them sharing the the, the common name helps him relate to, to, to Superman in that way. But also that Superman in his dying moment is thinking of somebody else, right? And specifically to protect somebody else. Also that Superman in that moment is talking about a human woman, right? So Superman identifies himself in that way is putting humanity before himself to bruce which is super important right yeah and definitely the fact the fact that he says martha that was thomas wayne's last words and why did thomas wayne say it he said it because his impulsive like like his impulsive hunter nature hunter protector nature killed his wife that's what got his wife killed in that attack is him taking the swing at the guy when he didn't need to right he was just impulsive and aggressive and the male dominant guy. And so he does that and fucking Martha, he ruined everything because of it. And that's hitting Bruce Wayne in that moment that, oh my God, I've become my father. And I'm about to let my like wild impulse hunter, like, you know, dominant thing get in the way. And by doing so, I could be actually destroying the world just like my father did. That I've, moment, I've, I've never like, heard anyone, right. I've never heard anyone analyze those two pieces of the movie together and connect those two in such a way that you just did which is insane well, see when i would say well when i would say that to people they would tell me i'm like looking too deep into it i'm known for that apparently with my friends i'm like no and i have proof proof of them of that they were thinking this way when they wrote it how does superman die in the movie doomsday kills him how does doomsday kill him doesn't he like shove a fuck like stake through him or something or shoves him on a, a fucking he spears him he spears, he spears him, yeah. him superman yeah superman has the spear where did the spear come from in this lois goes and gets it from the water right that's right right like right, it's in right. the water so, right so he takes the spear he's going to kill doomsday doomsday stabs him he pulls himself down doomsday's spear and kills doomsday and what does doomsday doomsday is the last son of krypton right like at this point like because he was created by whatever what movie does it say is coming on the poster at the beginning of Batman versus Superman? What does it say coming soon? Excalibur. Oh, how does I... Arthur, <laughs> how does Arthur die in Excalibur? I'll tell you fighting off his evil warlord child that was birthed from magic, his fucking evil sister. And he gets the sword from the lady in the lake and he goes to stab his son. His son, his son stabs him with a spear and Arthur pulls himself down the spear and stabs his son. Just like Superman does with Doomsday. Snyder, for like the first time, is actually creating these thematic circles. Like he he's setting us up from the beginning for this is like the end. And and I was like, oh my God, this is like so next level for comic book movies. This is so next level for Zack Snyder, who I do not care for his work, like outside of that movie, kind of at all. I sort of like 300, who didn't? You know what I mean? I know, and, right? And, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But but like 
but like it, it like floored me right like it, it, like the the movie just like moved me and then it came out and everybody hated it and i was so bummed and then he releases that ultimate cut now this is where i promise i'm getting to i hope this is fine that this is getting to the oh Schumacher of course podcast. yeah of course i mean okay, we, cool. most Proof. of our listeners i mean that have been with us for a long time know that we were champions of these movies and have discussed them to no end over the years so yeah feel free Groovy. okay well i'm new to the scene i you know i uh but um but so um i was i was sad when it came out and people just dogged on it and hated it and i think part of that is that there's like a, a cultural hive mind and that i also have seen enough of the inner workings of hollywood to know how they plant like social ideas in what they it, it not to sound like conspiracy theorists but it is all like oh you're not gonna upstage marvel no fuck you we've got you know endgame coming out in a couple of years um but anyways the ultimate cut comes out and this is like a new thing like I, the only other movie i could think of that had a release similar was anchorman 2. like if you remember anchorman 2 they released an r-rated cut after oh, that's the first right. one didn't do so hot there yeah. was an r-rated cut and which i liked that cut and i also liked the unrated cut that they released i liked all three cuts of anchorman too but when they released this dawn of this this this, this dawn of justice ultimate edition and people were responding that they really liked it. And I was like, oh, well, I got to see this then. I, you know, like finally people are on board with this movie that I've been digging for a couple of years. I go to see it and I'm like, all the new stuff, I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, what, you didn't know that that was happening? Like, they had to tell you that this is what was going on? Like, and I actually didn't care for the ultimate cut because I was like, yeah, all that's oh, wow. superfluous. But, but, but again, it's because I, I like to ride the wave more of like an emotional like a uh, through line of a movie and i think that we at that point we're 13 years into the information conditioning like the information filmmaking style of and so i guess people needed that but at the end of the day i was just happy that finally i could talk about batman versus superman and the conversation was not immediately like crap you know like it was they're like oh but i like the r-rated cut anyways so when justice league was coming out and all that riffraff was happening um I had, by the time I sat down in the theater to watch it, I had accepted that this was not going to be the follow-up to Batman versus Superman. Like, I was like, you know what? This is just going to be all these dudes teaming up, you know, and, and, and Wonder Woman, and, like, just let it be whatever it is. You right. know, like, I washed my hands. But I, hate, I hated, um, I absolutely hated Wonder Woman. I thought that that was terrible. And uh, had Aquaman come out at that point? I can't remember. I don't think it had. Not yet, no. Uh, no, a Aquaman came out two years later. That sucks. That's right. Too. But anyways... So I go, I go to see this movie and um, something again, almost like the Dark Knight Rises where the tone of the beginning with like Batman catching that guy on the roof and like all that. I was like, okay, so this is like a kid's movie. This is like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're in like kid movie territory. And at the end I was like, that was good. I, I, you know, for a kid's movie, like, you know, if you're 10 years old and you go to see that movie, it's going to be, your yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be excited about that if you're a kid for sure. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I thought actually that like the end, Lois, Lois gives like a little speech at the end that I thought was like amazing. Like her, when she's writing her article, she says, and I think I can remember verbatim, she says, darkness, true darkness is not the absence of light, but the conviction that the light will never return. You know, and I remember thinking like, whoa, like that's, that's fucking heavy. Like that's like a real thing. You know what I mean? Like, like that, yeah. like, because. I think that the I think that the difference that that points out in how people view what darkness is or or depression or tragedy that difference is so important 
And to make that distinction, I was like, and especially to make that distinction in a movie that's meant to communicate to 10 year olds, that's amazing to me. Like that to me is true Hollywood filmmaking, you know, like I, I loved that. I thought that was great. Hear about the Snyder Cut and like everyone else on the planet, I got excited because I loved Batman versus Superman so much. And by the time it, 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 by the time it was finally coming out, we were in the middle. I was in the middle of shooting uh, my film, Natasha Hall. And we've been shooting all day since like six in the morning on the day that the Snyder Cut came out. And at the end of a 14 hour day that started at 6 a.m., we all we dropped my projector and we, you know, and I hated it. Whoa. I thought it was so. Yeah, I, I thought because it it felt like to me it the closest movie it reminded me of was Batman Forever. Where but like but in that it was like this is not as smart as it thinks it is this doesn't have as much to say as the other ones do and it is kind of just the same scene over and over again now there were things that i really liked in it i loved when batman raids the bad guys thing at the end like that that batman action sequence is like some of the oh, best yeah. batman i've ever it's seen it's fantastic definitely like, yeah. yeah and and again there are of course things in it that are great you know undeniably so like zack snyder's not a terrible filmmaker i just don't think he's terribly interesting but he's a good filmmaker you know um but but overall i just didn't care for it and i especially didn't care for the color grade and i especially did not care for the uh aspect ratio which he tries to sell it as like we did that for imax blah, blah. it's like no you didn't you did that because it would be cheaper to do the effects if you if you're missing half of your anamorphic frame, you only have to do effects for this much space. Like that makes no. total sense. But but I went to go. I, I I chucked it up to. I'm in the middle of making this movie. I'm about to get married in a couple of weeks. I've been shooting since six a.m. You know, maybe I'm the jerk, right? So I waited until all the dust had settled for my life and whatever. And I got to see it again. And I watched it in a theater. My buddies and I stayed. You're after fucking lucky, the man. Like you're well, fucking my, lucky. Yes. Well. <laughs> Well, like, I wanted to, you know what I mean, give it, like, its proper due, you know what I mean? I don't want to say what theater, but if I told you, you would be very jealous of what theater I got to see it in. Um, but, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so we, we, but again, when it was done, I did not care for it. I didn't hate it as much as I did the first time, but I did say that I think it's missing the three best things from the weed cut. One being that brilliant Lois Lane bit that I talked about at the end. Two, it doesn't have the scene of Bruce and Wonder Woman, where she sees his bruises and she sees his scars, and they have that discussion of like, why does he feel the need to not only do this, but to lead, you know, given that he's, you know, not like them, you know what I mean? Like, I thought that scene was great. And then there's another bit missing where Cyborg, when he's talking to Joe Morton, his dad at the beginning, he says, uh, he's like, Joe Morton's like, go outside, like, you know, you know, live your life or something like that. And, and Cyborg in the, in the Whedon cut says, I don't want them to see uh, the monster or something like that. And, and Joe Morton's like, oh, son, you're not a monster. And Cyborg looks up at his dad and goes, funny, you thought I was talking about me. You know, like, 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 and I remember like in the theater being like, Ooh, take that Joe Morton. That's not in the cider cut. And, you know, those, those, those elements are very interesting and very so i wrote off the snyder cut and and i get that like i'm glad that fans got what they wanted 
especially because at the end of the day, it's just a fucking comic book movie, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. so like, let, let the comic book fans get what they want. Like, I do feel like in that whole discussion that Scorsese was trying to like articulate, but did poorly the cinema versus whatever this other thing is, you know what I mean? Like, whatever this other thing is, is not a lesser than cinema by any stretch. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's it like it by his definition. So like, let the people who that's what they want out of movies, let them have a say, I suppose. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, they rallied behind it enough to pay out of pocket to buy billboards and shit. All right. Like that's yours then. That's not for me. You know, like I'm a casual Batman movie fan. Like, you know what I mean? I have the Batman 89 tattoo on my arm, mostly because that's the uh, first Batman yeah. movie I ever saw. You know need what I mean? Need a little more like, gore under the fangs, though, Ed. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny? <laughs> Nobody, you know what's funny? I never noticed this before in my life until I got this tattoo. I was walking and somebody saw it. Just some random stranger. And he goes, oh, I get it. Bat suit. And I was like, oh. Like, I've been looking at this for 33 years and I've never, like, that's brilliant. Like, that's hilarious. It, it is. It's a bat in a suit. Brilliant. Anyways, but that tattoo I have because of Batman being the first movie I ever saw. And I do love it. You know what I mean? But, like, when it comes to Batman, I'm not a comic book guy. I'm a fan of Batman movies, you know, and the Adam West show and whatever. So, Schumacher dies. The Snyder Cut is a thing of myth. Um... And then the Robert Pattinson Batman is getting made. And I, oh my God, like if I thought Batman Begins was the worst possible Batman movie we were ever going to get, the Batman to me was like, that was like getting a root canal. Like I, I hated that movie. I don't know how you felt about that. Movie. I loved it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a jerk about it. No, but, no. Like, listen, like, listen, listen. Yeah. Um, my, my OG co-host, um, he and I were, like split down the middle on it was so fun i miss doing the show with him we were split down the middle on so many titles and that was the excitement of it because i wanted to debate and argue but in, in a fashionable way if that makes any sense but um i, I rarely get that kind of pushback uh these days so i do miss it but no i mean uh you know over the years and being in this community in terms of you know film twitter or you know being a movie critic or whatever I'm just used to it now. Like, no matter what you uh -huh. say, there's always going to be someone else that says the exact opposite, and it no longer bothers me. You know, it's not well, hurtful the whole point, to me. Though, right, right. The, the one, the one rule that I live by, especially if you have a, an opinion that is like in a, that's a huge contrast to a consensus, is that as long as you have a reason to express it and you understand why you think why you're saying it, yeah, then like let's hear it. You know, and like. That movie, I mean, first of all, I think Paul Dano should have been excommunicated from Hollywood for how bad he was in that movie. I thought that he was like, oh um, I, they, they actually did a, um, they did a, a double feature at the Arrow Theater here in Los Angeles. They did a double feature of the Batman and the Fablemans with a Q&A with Paul Dano in the middle. And I was like, that must be what biblical hell is like. Like is seven <laughs> hours of Paul Dano, you know what I mean? Like, and you're just stuck in the Arrow Theater of all places listening to this guy. But I just and Batman when he tell me how you feel about this at least. I just got to know because I don't want to. I don't want to be a, a a bummer. But when Alfred opens the package, boom, explodes. I'm in the hospital. I wake up. I see Batman. The first thing I do is smile at him. The first words out of his mouth are, 
you lied to me. Yeah, no, very I'm true. I'm just like, what? I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? Like, like I took a fucking bomb, not even for you. I took a bomb because of you. And you're giving me shit? Like, go to hell. Like That's very like, true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I also saw that in the exact same theater that I had, to the day, one week before, seen the uh, 50th anniversary Godfather re-release. And, like, that movie is, like, just incredible. And the acting in that is just, like, so amazing. And then I was reading all these reviews about the Batman and how good the acting was. And I was like, oh, I'm very excited. I like a lot of these actors, save for Paul Dano and, and uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz. I like everyone else. I go to see it, and I'm like, you guys think this is good acting? Can I show you The Godfather? May I show you this movie? Like, to, like, kind of, like, it, it, it just had an uphill battle. But I was totally checked out. I was totally bumming on it. And I was talking about it with, with a certain person. And that certain person was like, uh, well, uh, what do you think of this Schumacher cut business? And I was Ooh. like, well, you know, dry land is a myth. You know, I don't, you know, like what? And they're like, do you want to watch it? And yes, <laughs> you know. So we dropped the projector, you know, like invite a couple friends over. And um, I can say this, that the, I, I, we talked about this beforehand, before we would start recording. I, I, I hesitate to say like exactly like how I can verify this, but I just want to say that this cut uh, is without giving any details about how I can verify this, just know that it is verifiable. That this is 100% Joel Schumacher's cut of the film. 100%. Wow. Um, I'm just going to have to like ask that people trust me when I say that, which, you know, if you can't, I don't blame you, but like, I, I've already told you how much I like Batman and Robin in the dark Knight rises. So like, what do I have to lie? You seem like a pretty point? honest you know guy I mean? at this point. So I don't see why you would lie or bullshit yeah. about that. You know? Right. So it is, it is as close to what people have described as the Schumacher cut that has ever existed. Right. Is this version. And I sat there and I brought my wife as one of the people to come watch it. And she had never seen Batman forever. I showed her the first two Batman, uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies um, during lockdown. And she, she was all right with the first one, but she loved Batman Returns. She loved, yeah. you know, or she calls it, she calls it the Catwoman movie because she can never remember the name of it. <laughs> um, but, um, but uh, me personally, just, just so you know, the first Tim Burton is actually my favorite. Uh, I mean, if you look, at, you can see around my room yeah. um, how much vintage shit I have. I mean, I've got this. I've got a huge leg sleeve of, of Keaton and Nicholson. I mean, it's my favorite movie cool. of all time. So, yeah. 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 yeah I, and, and honestly, as an adult, even like there are some movies that like have that place because of the time and place or because of the significance to your life or whatever. But then there are some movies that you watch like that where you're like, no, if I saw this for the first time at 35 years old this would change my life, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the first, I think, especially in the context of 1989, I think the first Batman, that's, that's my favorite. And then Batman versus Superman is right next to it. Right you next know, to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then returns and then uh, probably rises and then wherever from there, like the rest of them just throw them up in the air and, you know, see where they land, I guess. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, uh, I, Oh, well, Batman and Robin too. I enjoy, but, but anyways, um, 
so I brought her with me and she brought one of her friends and we're watching the movie. We're all watching the movie. It's about seven or eight of us watching. And um, because I'm as familiar with it as you are, you know what I mean? I'm noticing every difference. And all my buddies, we're all of the same age. We're all of the same familiarity. We're all like freaking out. Like if ever the thing, we're like, oh my God, I'm like, like, he doesn't sound like that in the final cut. And like that line was dubbed. You're like, that line's missing, you know, everything. And my poor wife is just like, I'm trying to watch a movie here, guys. Like, like I'm trying to- uh, just, poor thing. You know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I feel so bad. Uh, I took I took Batman Forever away from her. Um, but uh, but it blew me away. It was, it, it, I was sitting there watching it and I was, I was as now more of a Joel Schumacher fan than a Batman fan at this point in my life. I was like, oh my God, this is the successor to Lost Boys, Flatliners, Falling Down. You know what I mean? Like this is- the progression you know this is where you land and it was just breaking my heart that it became what it became not even that what it became was so terrible but just that like this is so pure and wonderful and and then and then act three happens and i was like okay so like he fluffed that too so like it's not just it's not just the theatrical cut that where that doesn't work because to me everything from when robin comes down those stairs in his new suit like none of that works for me in either cut. Like, like I just think that it's like Robin does nothing. He gets captured twice. The bat boat blows up. I mean, like, what the fuck does this idiot do? And then, like the 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 the, the, the bat the bat wing, like both the vehicles. Like the coolest thing they do with the vehicles is Batman flies through a cloud. And Robin flies out of a tube. Frogman like, fuck him up. I mean, I guess it could be chalked up to like he's still fresh. I don't know. Um, but all this I is don't doing. Disagree with that. All, all this is doing is uh, making yeah. Batman work harder. He has his rescue. He's like, you're supposed you're supposed to be here helping, and I have to rescue you again. I could have just came by myself and rescued Chase, and everything would have been fine. <laughs> and the main reason I have to rescue you is because you fucking ran away on top of the thing when it was raising when I didn't like an like an asshole. Like like I I hate. <laughs> <laughs> what they do and before that he's helpful he throws the bomb into the fucking river and saves the circus and then like he pulls yeah. batman out of the out of the out of the dirt you know that's good those are good things to do and then but here's the thing i think i would be on the uh, on uh, on the side of no you're not my partner because i remember that time when you were trying to punch me in the alleyway and uh it was so pathetic that i just let you do it for a full minute until you got sleepy um, cause when he's punching Batman yeah, yeah, in that yeah. little like day glow alleyway, he's just like hitting him and Batman's like, okay, you get, oh, you get tired. It's oh. like, it's like, bro, if like, you can't even hit me a couple times where it's actually going to make impact, how the fuck are you going to take on all the villains that I beat up every single night? Exactly. <laughs> how do you think that you're going to defeat agent K like, how do you, uh, Tommy Lee Jones? Like, how are you going to do it? Um, yeah, no, that's stupid. And then like the whole, like the floor being, um, the, the hologram and stuff like i've always just been like it didn't seem that hard for him to say both of them like N not at all you, you know what i mean yeah and 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 yeah so just like all of the above I've, I've always even as a kid felt like that that last 20 30 minutes is just kind of a wash and i was i was kind of bummed to see that the schumacher cut didn't have any other tricks up its sleeve although there is the one shot where batman like figures out that it's a hologram floor 
and I liked that. That in the Schumacher cut, I liked that because I've always been like, how did he know to jump? I don't, I don't know. There's something like, well, yeah, because in, in this in, in the Schumacher play. cut, you can see him. He's like looking down at the floor a bunch, like he's looking at it. He's, you know what I mean? Like where mm-hmm. in, in the theatrical cut, he's he doesn't look down at all. He just like jumps. Right. So, so in the Schumacher cut, you like well, like when he does it in the in the theatrical cut, he throws the little battering that yeah, blows the sonar up, battering, and yeah. then the holog. So, why do you need a sonar battering to throw it at the giant fucking chandelier? Um, but anyways, it um, the the floor disappears, right? So that's how he knows to jump, I guess. But how did he know that that was going to happen? Well, now the Schumacher cut tells us he's like, oh, I've see past his illusion already. You know what I mean? So like yes. Batman knows that he can do this now. So like that makes a little more sense. But then you get to the Two Face bit, um, in that in that third act and him dangling from the pipe as all the coins are falling is a little too long in the Schumacher cut. Definitely too but, long. Also, how yeah, the fuck did he get shot. down there? <laughs> that never, that's never bothered me. I mean, like Batman got down there pretty, got down there pretty fast too. Um, but, and there is like a time cut, like for where they're like, I don't know that, that doesn't bother me so much, but, but in the theatrical cut, he falls into the thingy and into the pit and the coin lands and then it cuts to Robin. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and then it cuts to Robin, and you give Robin that close-up of, like, it's done. You know what I mean? He gets some closure there. It's a nice moment, and then that leads into Riddler on the ground all fucked up. You know, why can't I kill you? You know, and then the you giant get, bat and all that yeah. stuff, yeah. Too many questions. Too many questions. Yeah, it's a great moment. And I, I was blown away that the Schumacher cut did not have that in it. Like it didn't have that that scene. Or it is. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's it's very abrupt the way it, it cuts directly from Two Face dying, and then there's no confrontation at all whatsoever with Batman and the Riddler. I don't know if that. I mean, you, you know more about this cut than I do, but I would have thought like you would have needed that. Like every single one of these movies, you know, Batman has his final confrontation with the main villain, and then 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 that's it. You know, but there is not one yeah. here. Look. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so like the studio, you know, they went back, asked for these reshoots, asked for these redubs, because we'll get into that. Because to me, the biggest change in the movie is is uh, Sonic, is the the audible uh, element of it. Um, but, uh, you know, these guys have done it a million times, these studio guys. And, you know, if that was a reshoot, which I kind of get the feeling that it was, you know, given like that this was like, that's a good note. Like, no, we need, you know, a final beat for Robin and a final, and making a movie, which, um, are, are you a filmmaker? Are you a, um, do you make films or? I've been in some movies, but I'm not a filmmaker. No, I have a script okay. for, well, I, well, I have a script for a movie called Geese, uh, that hopefully we'll see the light of day someday. My, my buddy, Lois Sauce, who was on the show with me last week, uh, he'll be directing if it ever happens. It's the first time I've ever cool. mentioned it on the show. Though. Geese. Uh, geese just when you thought it was safe to go back to the pond (laughs) that's funny is that really a tagline yeah that's that's it yeah i love it (laughs) i love you've got me that's that's good stuff i I, i'll put you in touch with some people um so no um you know the studio knows what they're doing like to an extent and that's that's a good note and and making a movie making a movie especially one that big like there's so many pieces that like I hate how the media I, and and YouTube especially like everybody like thinks that they know how the industry is run 
They think that they know what these little things mean about a production. Reshoots are a good thing. Yeah. Every filmmaker is grateful for them. Every filmmaker is grateful for them, truly, because every movie has reshoots, whether it's the $250 million Batman movie or if it's the you know $25,000 indie movie, every movie has reshoots. So like, you know, it's part of the process and for good reason, because once you finally get the whole thing slapped together, which this cut is a cut above that. Like, I know you guys talked about it on the thing that it felt a little like there's fat that needed to be trimmed and that like this felt like almost like an assembly cut. I can tell you that this was not the assembly cut. I confirmed that this is not the assembly cut of the movie. This was his like, that's insane. Here it is. Like now that doesn't mean that it wouldn't have been trimmed you know like you leave fat on edits like that for exactly what you guys are talking about for score because once score comes in then you time it to score you like retime it to score in that way right like like so like and um i i hope we can get into that too the score but um but like this is an actual like cut of the movie this is like a decided like here you go here's here's the movie not here's everything we did this is here's the movie right and um like this does not feel like an assembly this is not an assembly cut this is not a um this this is phase two of the assembly cut this is all right what is the movie that we have and i'm sure that you know joel would have gone back and done some reshoot type stuff no matter what anyway right right um so but but there are certain decisions that this movie makes this cut of it makes where like no matter what he was going to reshoot or fine tune it's really the lack of dubbing and the score the temp score that really show you what this movie was supposed to be from conception 100% and in the not to cut you off the more that i thought about it you know after we recorded our initial review which ladies and gentlemen we pushed it out as fast as we possibly could we wanted to record that episode when we got back from New Jersey on three hours of sleep, and we both decided that would probably not be a good idea at all. Um, even though that, like, as small amount of sleep as I had, I remembered the entire movie. And then when I woke up the next day, I was like, okay, now I have to go back through and, you know, after you've had sleep and try to remember all of that stuff. Um, you guys got close. You got very close. close. I, I I knew I was a little off because my attempt was to like actually go through a, a scene for scene, and then it got fuzzy. I was like, "Well, at, at four thirty, you know, like I, I was a little off for yeah. stuff, so I didn't want to try to state something was if it wasn't." Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, and I already made my opinion on this uh, on the other episode, but like to me, this feels like the superior movie overall. I feel like if you could marry the two versions together in some way it would be like not to not to mention the ultimate cut or whatever but like it would really be like the best version of that movie in a way i think that the only thing you need to take from the other theatrical cut to help this one out is that riddler scene that's the only the the why can't i kill you i think that everything else from the theatrical cut i i I actually think is a detriment to the movie tonally and i actually similar like so when i say that you got really close in your thing i'm talking you guys are at like 97 percent. oh you know wow what I mean? like you were you were right up. you were that, you're pretty, 
like to to rep, to put you at ease you guys are saying it's somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes worth of new stuff it is just a few frames over 28 minutes wow so stuff. we were pretty close then I'm, yeah i'm actually surprised we very close yeah <laughs> okay yeah no it is i was actually surprised when i was done you know fiddling with it that i found i was surprised that it was so much um because the final cut of the theatrical release is like what two hours and like three minutes or something like that. Right. And this one is two hours and 15 minutes and actually a mistake that I made in the Kevin Smith. When I was on Kevin Smith's podcast about this, I said that it was two hours and 35 minutes, but I, that's not what I meant. I meant to say that it was 135 minutes. You know what I mean? It was oh, okay. just, just... I wasn't expecting, I wasn't fully expecting to be up there and on mic and all that kind of stuff. Like we, we can get into that in a minute too, if you want, but, um, but, but yeah, like, like even I made a couple of like, you know, errors in, in, you know, going up there and, and spouting off about it. Um, but the music for me, and it's the first time I noticed that that's my main problem with Batman Forever is I think the score is terrible. I think the score that's is, fair. is, is, that's um, fair. I think it's dopey. I think it's, it, I think it's like, I think it's like a, it, it, it sounds like circus music and I get that there's a circus element and blah, blah, blah. But that's the wrong thing to take as your thematic center. Like I even said like in our series. last episode, I've been a fan of it since I was a kid. I love the main theme. I've always loved yeah, it. I love the good. way that it opens the movie. But much like I said on the last episode, when I saw the movie, the footage edited together with other music, music that was more dramatic or darker or what have you, it's a different Somber. movie. It's it's a different movie, and mm -hmm. it's closer to what I think the movie should have been, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of the fun of putting the HD footage over the work, the 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 the, the work print that he had or whatever. That was kind of the fun of me because I'm the one who put the HD footage. Okay, over so you're you're the one screening. that put the, the HD footage over that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I did that, and 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 that was kind of even more fun because like you get to see that like that really is. The main component that changed the tone of this movie aside from you know a, a karate laundry here and there the main component that like changed this movie was the music and the dubbing because that that's one part of your uh, podcast about it that i actually like strongly disagree with is that i think that tommy lee jones got totally shafted and i think that his performance in this is in the schumacher cut is significantly different I think that those little differences make all the difference. And you guys, you know, you were equating it to him doing the uh, the Joker. You know what I mean? Jack Nicholson's the Joker. And I, I, I just have a personal, like, like tick about people comparing other villains to the Joker. Like, I know that um, Fast X just came out, which I adored. And I thought that Jason Momoa was, like, beyond brilliant in it. And I saw it at an early screening, and my friends were like oh he's just doing the joker and i was like what the hell are you talking about and they're like oh because you know he's like doing the flamboyant and i'm like that doesn't that's not just that's not synonymous with the joker well I you mean, know what i mean i like, mean like, the, the way that i chalked it up to was he just yeah. felt like a cackling villain where to me sure that's to me yeah, yeah like two-face harvey dent should not that should not be Regardless if you compare it to Aaron Eckhart's performance in The Dark Knight or whatever version, you know, the animated series, the comics, whatever. It's just the fact that I, I think he had a hard time connecting with what am I supposed to do here? Like we know when he, he got asked to do the role, he said, why me? 
and he, he took mm-hmm. it reluctantly only because his son wanted him to do it and he did it um i'm not one of those people that think it's like the worst performance in comic book history i think he was he felt a little lost in the room you know on these huge sets like okay i'm here next to jim carrey um there's definitely like this strange like gay thing going on between the two of them um but you, not, not that i dislike it i like it i, I like their relationship in the movie no. I, I just think that I took no negative connotation there. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah. Um, but it's 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 Joel, and I think there's always going to be some yeah. of that there. Um, but I just feel like you have Tommy Lee Jones, and at the time, like this amazing dramatic actor, you ask him to be a comic book villain, and I think he took it like, well, this is what Jim's doing. I got to try to match that in my own way. It's not terrible. I do agree the more that I think about it, you know, after we did our review, that the dialogue, some of the dialogue that they gave him, you know, in that Schumacher cut is better. It's fleshing out his character more. It's actually presenting you with... Because he always felt like he was taking a back seat the entire time in the theatrical cut. Like, in this cut gives him a lot more to do. We see how he breaks out. You know, we, we, we hear more dialogue. It feels like he has more of an impact where he's definitely an afterthought. And I think... I could be wrong. This is just my theory that the studio said Jim Carrey's hot. Give me more Jim Carrey. All this Batman backstory shit. We don't need any of this stuff. Jim Carrey is a huge fucking (laughs) massive hit right now with everything. Give us more of him. Make it more poppy. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but like to me, just looking at it on paper and comparing the two, it just feels like give us more of that. Just like they said, you know, 100,000%. Yeah. With 89, give us more Nicholson. He's he's amazing. Give us more Nicholson, you know? You, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And, like, yeah, you talk about this on your show, too, on your podcast, that, like, Jim Carrey, people forget that it was less than 18 months between uh, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, Batman Forever, and Ace Ventura 2. That's There's so insane to think. It's so wild. Movies. It's so wild. And all those movies right. made money. I mean, he was the biggest star in the world. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like, and then Will Smith came in the next year and took that title. Um, but, you're absolutely right. I agree with you 100% about the theatrical cut. I disagree about the Schumacher cut because here's a, here, here's why, at least I'll say why. Oh, but before I say, do you like Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face? I mean, within the context of the Nolan movies and his universe, yes, I do. I mean, the character, whatever he was given to do in that grounded realism I think was very good. I like his performance and I like the makeup and all that stuff uh, or, you know, yeah. CGI makeup rather. Um, but yes, I do like it. But at the same time, it still feels like we could have a movie with two face where he's scarred through the whole fucking movie. And he, it, it doesn't matter if it's I, real or not, you know? Yeah. I, I, to this day say that they made a big mistake with the dark Knight. They should have ended the dark Knight. should have ended when the Joker escapes. And there's that, you know, and then you start part two with Batman standing over the wreckage, fucking quarter in his, you know, uh, the thing, the coin in his hand, and then make a whole second movie with the two face. Well, dude, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you, to... if you remember hearing this or not, but this was a very strong rumor at the time before the movie came out that no one's original intention was the third movie would still have two face and Joker in it, and then another villain. That's what that's what we heard. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how true that is or not. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I stay out of Nolan news because I because <laughs> you don't like him. <laughs> I, 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 I it's a big 
it's a big thing between my friends and I. I, 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 I try to be respectful and I try to, but I kind of panicked in the moment when I have had an opportunity to have a face to face with Chris Nolan. And all I could say to him was do better. I mean, so, um, what, so what row are you going to be sitting in for Oppenheimer? Where are you seeing it? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, I've already seen Barbie and I, I'll tell you, I, I, there's only one, you know, there's only one bomb I can stand per weekend. So I, um, Ooh, I will say that's that rough. I don't, I don't see that until next week. Rough. Oh, it sucks to be you. I, um, if uh uh sorry greta but uh if i uh <laughs> i love I, that, I love uh, gosling though so i'm sure he'll at least get me through the movie hopefully well his yeah i mean all seven of his fans at the screening i went to sure did let him know that they were fans of what he was doing in that movie but um but i i i will say that if in oppenheimer if there is an easter egg where right before they drop that bomb we see a little mini indiana jones running into like one of the houses or something like right before the bomb goes off, <laughs> I will take back every negative thing I've ever said about Chris Nolan. If he gives us just a little Indiana Jones running from house to house right before the bomb goes off, that way we know that this movie takes place in the same universe as fucking Crystal Skull. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I stay out of Nolan completely. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, Tommy Lee Jones in this though, as Two Face. One thing, one element that I feel like never gets like really like that, that no one else has explored is that when you're a lawyer there especially a trial lawyer which he is um and he does this in the, the what's the other schumacher movie uh, the client um there's a pageantry to those kinds of people they have to perform they have to be larger than life and trying to get that jury, especially a movie uh a movie lawyer to get the, the the jury on their side you know what i mean and he has that quality to him in this cut and that is exasperated by the manic scarred half like so there's nowhere to go but up with the manic nasty ghoulish version of that guy i actually give tommy lee jones a lot of credit i think that he played it right on the money and that the studio like you said was like we need more of the carryisms we need him to match jim carrey we need that because it's fair to say that at least a third, if not half of his lines are dubbed. Oh, for movie. sure. In, I was surprised the, the by that. Cut. I was very surprised by like, that. There's two who the hell are yous in this movie that are dead giveaways. Like, so like when the Riddler first comes to his hideout and he, you know, and he's like, I hope you made extra, you know, in the theatrical cut, fucking two Face. Do you remember how he says it? He big, he goes, who the hell are you? Who the hell are you? Right yeah, yeah, camera. yeah. Just and a friend. You country. can call me the Riddler. It's, see, you know it. You, you know it. Like, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you're, you're good. So, in the Schumacher cut, it literally is exactly this. He just goes, "Who the hell are you?" It's that. Like, who the hell are you? It's nothing more than that. Same thing with. Um, you mentioned the guy's name. The um, the Dave Don Lo- the Dragon Wilson. Yeah. Bad guy. Don the Dragon Wilson. Yeah, like that. You talk about it on your podcast, like. The first when he has it, like, who the hell are you? Like, and we all know that who the hell are you? You know, like it's like this really deep whatever. And in this version, it's who the hell are you? <laughs> it's the same it's thing. Like, yeah. Just so so honestly, yeah. It was like like my hat flew off my head when I saw. It. I was like, what? Like that? That's not what that guy sounds like. But you know, actually, that note it might be a good one. Like that's another good studio. Dub that guy. 
give him make him sound like he's been eating a lot of rocks. He, he, uh, must, have, he must have felt like shit when he went if he did go to the premiere and showed me like, oh, they dumb my fucking <laughs> voice, man. Oh man, I'm not that low. Who knows? Maybe he. Maybe he did it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did it. There's like, like be well, louder and deeper and sound scary, and then we're yeah. gonna add an effect to it or something. I don't know. But <laughs> so give us give us Sylvester Stallone after reading the reviews for Daylight. That's what they, that was the, <laughs> the direction they gave him. Or Judge Dredd. Oh. I am the law. Drop your weapons. Now, now, which also came out see, the now same that summer. Movie. And is much better. I love Judge Dredd. I do too. I we did, we, we did a whole anniversary episode on that a few years ago. Hey, we could maybe potentially do another episode on that but so i have to ask you though so mm-hmm. you know kevin saw it he announced he saw it how did that connection happen between you kevin seeing it you going on his show all of that stuff because at this point i mean i've already let the cat out of the bag when we were at his screening he never once like i said on the last episode mentioned batman forever or batman or anything like that but when he mentioned that he would potentially screen it, I immediately went because I wanted to see it and I saw it. Um, so he he's let the cat out of the bag at this point. Like everyone knows he, he hasn't. I don't mm-hmm. believe he's publicly stated anything about it since he screened it. Um, even when I've commented and like tagged him and stuff to see if he would respond about it. But so how did how did that all come to be? If you don't mind me asking if there's anything you can say about that. Yeah, I could say plenty about that. That's fine. Um, I uh, dogma is that I've always loved movies in my whole life. I knew that I wanted to be involved in movies since I was cognizant. Uh, you know, when I was five years old, I told my mom I wanted to act in a scene with Prank from The Flash. You know, Corinne Bohr, um, who to this day is still maybe my favorite actress. And um, you know, so I've always known that I wanted to be involved. And when I was a kid, I was an actor, but I never really I I it was fine but it it was not the fit you know and then i saw dogma and um that changed everything dogma was the film that you know inspired me to become a filmmaker i thought that it was um uh so incredibly brilliant and so well thought out i'm sure you're familiar with dogma yes um you know i mean like a quick example is the golgothan shit demon like you know, Hell's Chief Assassin's big walking pile of crap, as she calls it. It's funny enough, but he brilliantly weaves in this explanation that this was, you know, from the hill where Christ was crucified, everyone else up there was murderous, rapist thieves. And when they would die, their bodies would excrement and Satan collected all of that and turned it into Hell's Chief Assassin. You know, like that's brilliant. That is like so funny. And such a such a rich idea. And then how do they defeat it with some air freshener that says knocks strong odors out? Why do you have this? Jay farts, he sprays brilliant. Like like a great like dogma is an absolutely brilliant work of art. It's brilliant. And um I became a Kevin Smith acolyte after that. And um, you know, like so many Kevin Smith fans, like, you know, especially during that era, um, you know his his work became scripture i know his work by heart you know uh d- the clerk's animated series i quote every line of that you know my brother and i at least half of our communication with each other because he lives across the country is just clerks quotes clerks the cartoon quotes you know what i mean yeah um uh without getting into too much detail about it clerks to um 
saved my life. That's the best way to put it. It actually like sincerely saved my life to watch Dante and Randall. Well, Dante, especially he rejected the thing that he hated the most about himself, which was working at the store and it was leading him down a miserable path, literally to a road to hell. The place burns to the ground. And then after the place burns to the ground, what does he do? The exact same thing he was doing before. And he's in denial that the problem was him. And that at the end of the movie that, um, that he rebuilds the store in his image. Like he takes ownership of it. He, he claims it for himself and rebuilds it uh, with his community, his community of friends. And um, like, that's just like the most incredible finale, you know? And like there, there is not to get, too religious about it but there is a there is a there is a religious if you will god element to it in that alanis morissette is singing the song that they rebuild the the, the right. store to and she plays god and that jay and silent bob who are now like evangelical christians they're the ones who give him the money to you know do it and whatever you believe spiritually just let's call it god if you will or faith even, not even religious faith, but faith that you can do this. Like literally building your foundation of your life on faith, not necessarily in God, but just faith. Like that you that even you can do it. That was incredible. Like like what a what a great place he must have been at in his life. Skip down the line, I move out to LA. Kevin Smith and I, we meet up a few times because he used to come to the theater that I was working at. And um uh, I made my first movie in LA, which was my fifth movie that I had made, but it was my first movie in LA and I got it to him and he liked it. And he hired me um, to work on a couple of his movies, just work crew. And um, it was my first paid work in LA, my first paid professional work in LA. Um, I can't tell you how much it meant to me to cash a paycheck with the view askew <laughs> that had know, to be logo awesome. on it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or or like to receive a script that had my name watermarked on it. You know what I mean? Like with Kevin, you know what I mean? Like that was like, that was like amazing. And um, I would see him speak and stuff like that every now and then. I, I'm not, I, I don't follow him in that way. I don't go to his podcast. I don't listen to his podcast. I don't, you know, to me, it's the movies. That's what I follow, you know. But every now and then he would do like a Q&A with like another filmmaker or something and he moderated or something. And I checked those out. And every time he would always just talk about what a shitty director he was. Like he always would do that. And, um, he, one time he was doing the moderating Q and A at the premiere for Mandy, which I got to go to. Um, and Bill Duke was like kicking me in the back the whole, he was sitting right behind me and he's so large. Every time That's he amazing. Speak, oh, <laughs> like damn it, Bill Duke. But, um, He's interviewing what's his name? Um, what's the director's name of that? Um, Cosmatos? Yes. Whatever his name is. Yes. Yeah. I thought the first opening credits of Mandy, I was like, this is amazing. I'll go anywhere with this movie. After the opening credits, I was like, ooh, anywhere but here. I thought that movie was awful. I see. And Kevin is up there. <laughs> it's so funny, yeah, man. Again, oh, it's so funny. We're like so opposite on so much. <laughs> that's good though. That's so no, for necessary. sure. For sure. For sure. But, but like for sure. so like so like he goes up there and Kevin the whole time just keeps talking about how you're a real director. Not like me. I'm not a real director. I'm, and from the audience, I screamed fucking stop. Like I'd had enough. I was to just stop. 
Like, I don't know if you heard me. I, there was no exchange. But, like, to me, I used to get made fun of by my film teachers for being such a Kevin Smith fan. You know how much it sucks to be, like, a budding artist trying to learn how to be a filmmaker, and you're told that the very reason you do it is a joke? Like, you know what I mean? And then what's worse than that is that the guy who you're talking about also says the same shit. It's like, you know, no, like, you, you, you mean something to people. Like your work means something to people is what I should say. Cause nobody knows him. You know what I mean? Like clerks is not a movie that like was of its time. Clerks defined its time. Clerks to me is the purple rain of the nineties. Purple rain defined the eighties. You know what it was like. And, and, and clerks defined what the nineties were for that generation. He's, you know, so I'm already like on this weird path. He has the heart attack, which was, you know, like just, I'm, we're all glad he survived he makes jay and silent bob reboot i go to see it it's fucking terrible i thought it was terrible okay so but, we agree on that one then <laughs> but it was it was a victory lap you know i didn't die i got all of my friends back together you know what i mean sure fine do your thing then i get an email in 2021 uh october 2021 that he sent to like some view people that like, Hey, we're trying to get a collection of 40 people together to watch the first rough cut of clerks three to get some feedback. Do you want to come? Cause I'm on the view thing or whatever from working with them and stuff. And I, I, I said yes. And I got to bring my brother just so happened to be in town visiting and I got to bring my brother. Right. That's awesome. Which was like really, yeah, it was amazing. You know, like my younger brother, you know, my kid brother and like, yeah, it was really meaningful. Like, so we go and I'm there and I recognize a few people there that I, you know, either friends with or like worked with or whatever, you know, like, so I'm seeing, you know, 40 of us in there. He shows up almost an hour late. Same thing like, as he just did the other night. Kite. Yeah. <laughs> he does it every time. High as a kite. And he says like, first thing he says is sorry for making you wait, kids. I was watching Shang Chi. And I was like, I'm, First of all, kids, like, don't condescend to me that way after you're an hour late. I've been here for two and a half hours waiting for you. You know what I mean? Like, and two, I know you've seen Shang-Chi already. <laughs> and three, you live, I know where he lives. He lives, like, right up the road from where we were at. Like, we're talking five minutes, and that's in L.A. traffic, five minutes, right? Like, it just wasn't cool. But whatever. The movie starts, and, I mean, have you seen Clerks 3? I have not. I've seen only seen two. I've not seen three. That was something I mentioned. Oh, you to my you my lucky, co-host. lucky. Oh my, my, you blessed man. I um yeah. It's it's it's. I actually it, it's terrible. Um, and the ending is so shocking. It's such a contrast to Clerks Two. That, do you care if I spoil anything? I don't care if you, well, as long as you're letting the fans know that are listening now, ladies and gentlemen, he's about to spoil the end of Clerks 3. You've had a year to see it. Feel free. <laughs> um, yeah, Dante dies. And in this movie, do you remember the character Elias? Yes. At the beginning of the movie, Elias goes from being a Christian to swearing his life to Satan to save Randall's life because Randall has a heart attack and. Elias says, Satan, if you, you know, like save his life, I'll swear my life to you. So he spends the rest of the movie as a Satanist. And then, um, 
and then he survives and he wants to make a movie and Dante has to be the producer for some reason. So Dante, for some reason, borrows the money from Emma, the, um, the Kevin Smith's wife, you know, his, his fiance, his failed fiance from Clerks 2, like who randomly agrees to give him the money they need to make it in using his half of the store as collateral if they don't make the money back or whatever, which I've always been like, why would she give him the money? Anyways, they're making the movie and like they're in the middle of shooting a dramatic scene and Dante has like a freak out where he's had enough of Randall shit and Dante has a heart attack, goes to the hospital, he's going to die. Randall cuts the movie together in time, sneaks into the hospital, shows it to Dante who's tied up to a bunch of tubes and shit and can't even talk and he shows him the movie and the movie is actually just footage from the original clerks, right? <laughs> okay. you, see Dante, you see Dante sitting in a movie theater in heaven watching it with his dead wife becky oh we found out rosario dawson died like a week after clerks to a set she died while pregnant with his child like so yeah she's dead this whole movie right exactly so and then he before that movie's even done he's watching clerks in the movie theater in heaven he says to her let's go and she goes but it's not your time yet and he goes i trust the director from here and then dante dies and then randall hasn't done anything with the movie so emma comes to collect what she's owed and that's his half of the store but luckily in a day's ex machina moment elias has overnight become a millionaire because of an nft he has and he uses that money to buy back the store from emma to pay her off and he literally says the line i may not i may not have earned my spot behind this register but i can buy it and then that's how the movie ends and in the context of Kevin Smith, it's like, did you just make a movie where you feel like, you know, a large part of you died from that heart attack and then your wife sold your legacy off to the devil to replace that part of you that died? You know Rough. what I mean? Because like, Rough. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and we put it in that context because Kevin, you know, was a Catholic, if you will. So like, you know, we can put it in that context because of his whatever. And so, like, I like at the end of the movie, the lights come up, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and he comes up, and he says, who in here liked the movie? And everyone raises their hand. And he's like, who in here didn't like the movie? And me and my brother, like, right away, raise our hands. And he says to me, he goes, oh, cool. What didn't you like about it? And I was like, you, you, are you, what? You, you really want me to tell you? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like, you really want me to say? And he's like, yeah, that's what this is all about. And I was like, okay. And as you said, film is subjective, right? So I can't objectively be like, this isn't funny. This looks like crap. There's no story here. There's, I can't do that. That's not constructive, right? All I can do is bring up what bothered me about the content, right? He snapped and started like getting really heated with me in front of everybody. And like, it was like really weird. And, and, I obviously had overstepped my boundary in some way, you know, like, like, but he, but it was weird to have him like, you know, like, and I'm not trying to say anything negative about him by saying this, but he did, he snapped, you know, one, and art is personal. So like, sure. But eventually I said, can we talk about this later? Because we're in a room of 40 people. He's like, oh, we'll talk about it later. I was like, okay. And he entertained me for a while. We talked for about 20 minutes in front of these people. I'm going to leave at, you know, an hour later because he kept talking to people and they all had problems with the movie, but he had an excuse for why they were all wrong. Um, uh, as we're going to leave, he pulls me aside. And he starts talking to me again. And it's kind of like the same thing. It's really heated. It's really weird. And like, 
everybody there starts forming like a little circle around us, almost like a schoolyard, you know, fight or something. <laughs> and, I, and I, and I said, look, I've obviously hit a nerve. I just watched the movie. I'm still processing what I just saw. Can I just email you my thoughts if you really want to know them? And he goes, yeah, you send me an email. So he goes, yeah, you send me an email. I said, okay. So I went home and I wrote an email and it was 13 pages long. And I sent it to him and didn't hear back, but I sent it to the other people who were there that night that I knew. And I asked them afterward as we were leaving, I was like, did I, you know, was, did I like, and they were like, no, like they were like, that was really weird. Like, you know, and I, some of these guys, I don't really know that well. So I trust that I, cause I, you know, I don't want to be a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, right, of course like not. I don't, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. But, but like, I sent it to them and they were like, yo, this letter is really nice. Like, this is a really good, thoughtful letter. Like, it's tough love, but it's thoughtful. So I, then I sent it to like some of my other friends who know about me and Kevin, like about clerks and, you know, a, and they all were like, wow, like, this makes me not want to see the movie. <laughs> like, but this is a really beautiful, like, you know, thought out. And then when the movie trailer dropped a year later, or like the next summer, all of these people who I haven't talked to in 15, 16 years start coming out of the woodwork, like your boy's back with the new Clerks movie, man. And it looks like it's great. You know, and I was just like getting all these people just like, oh my God, I haven't talked to you since fucking film school. And no, this movie hurts. It's terrible. You know, it, it and it was my wife and my friend, Lewis, who Lewis was also there at the screening that night. And he, he was not really familiar with Kevin's work at the time. And he was like, dude, does that guy want to kill himself? He called it a suicidal manifesto. Um, they both, my wife and Lewis both convinced me, they were like, you should take your letter and turn it into a, um, uh, a YouTube video essay, which I'd never done before. And, uh, I, w I didn't want to do that because that's not what I'm about. You know, it's not my place. But then it was my wife who said, like, there are going to be a lot of people when the movie come out comes out that are in your position. That are, like, really affected by it. And they're going to want to know that they're not alone. Because the way that Kevin does these things is that, you know, he does the fan, the Fandango fans only screenings and then also tours the movie. Of you know course. what I mean? So, like, yeah. having, a, having a negative opinion of it makes you stand out because you're in a sea of acolytes you know which you know so like that could be scared you know so because of that i was like okay i'll do it and i did i spent the next month and i put it together and this is before the movie came out and so the footage uh, you know he had released a couple clips and a trailer or two and stuff so i was i was intercutting that i i break down the whole movie much like you guys did with batman forever and um uh what I didn't have footage wise, I actually hired a couple of artists, one of them being my brother to draw storyboards in the clerk's animation style. Oh, wow, that's to, like fill in the gaps. Nice. And then I used, I pulled clips from his earlier work. And by the end of the video is one hour and seven seconds long. And I released it the day the movie came out, the night that it came out so that people could immediately after it, watch it. And, uh, it was my biggest, thing ever by a long mile I, I i think it's sitting which this is for youtube numbers is like you know whatever but it's at like over thirty three thousand views which nice. that's awesome my yeah yeah my next highest video is ten thousand views and i released it in 2011 you know what i mean like like, so <laughs> right, like right yeah you know yeah and 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 you know so it was like and people were emailing me coming out of nowhere telling me that like you know and then I started getting emails because I didn't put any of my contact info, but I have a website for my company and all that. And I, people just traced it, much like they did after the Batman Forever thing. 
And a couple of people reached out to me saying like, hey, you mentioned in this, because I didn't bring up the whole interaction with me and him in the video, because I just, the letter, it was just the letter, you know? Um, but they're like, what screening did you go to of this? What did you, you know? So I emailed them back and I kind of told them what I just told you. And they, these people who I've never met before in my life, they were getting back to me saying, dude, he's talking about you. Like on tour, like I've seen it. I've gone to like two of the shows or like one guy saw a cut of it in December, a month after I had, and Kevin was talking about it, you know, and I was like, he's talking about you. He's, you know, like you really pissed him off that night. Holy I was shit. damned. Wow. That's and like, nuts. It was a bummer because like all I did was speak the truth and I only spoke the truth when he asked asked me. you right exactly it's not like you right? stood out and, and fucking yelled at him or anything out of place he asked for an opinion you gave the opinion that's my whole thing that's why I've never wanted to do a YouTube channel or anything it's like like you know there's no point in putting it out there unless you've been asked you know because it's not yours right like you know unless you are a professional critic or that's what you want to do which is not what I want to do I want to create you know what I mean um, and, uh, so it was just, it hurt. And I remember it, it, it must've been like what the red letter media guys felt like when Shatner was talking shit about them. It's like, yeah, it's kind of funny and he's wrong, but like, still it sucks that Captain Kirk doesn't like me, you know, like that Captain Kirk hates me. Like that sucks for me. It was like, it sucks that Kevin doesn't like me. Well, that, that's you know apparently I mean? not that, the like, case now though, right? That's, that can't be the case. Now. Well, well, I, so when the, I got the, you know, when, when I found out that they were doing a screening of Jersey girl in New Jersey, the, he, he announced he was going to do his Snyder verse cut as he called it, which was his two and a half hour work print, which for Kevin Smith fans is like the Schumacher cut is like, it's a coveted, like we've known about it for 20 years. We want to see it, you know? And first time I ever met Kevin, I told him that, that it's on my bucket list to see that two and a half hour cut of Jersey girl. Cause that's one of my favorite movies, Jersey girl really is one of my favorite films. And um, so I asked the person who had the Schumacher cut, I said, look, could I give this to Kevin as like an olive branch? Yeah. And he said, uh, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and so I, I, I did, I, I, I put it on a thumb drive. Well, what's really funny is that I had it on my computer or I thought that I did, but I didn't. So I actually had to like last minute, like it was, it was a weird, like it was, I'm technologically like inept, but anyways, I got it on a thumb drive last minute and I go to the, I flew from Los Angeles to Florida and met with my brother and my mom and dad and spent a few days down there. Then my brother and I drove 15 hours you from drove? Jacksonville, Florida, up holy the shit! Yeah, that's up wild. the Highlands, and um, uh, we sat down to watch the movie. It was supposed to start at five o'clock. We got in the theater at five thirty, and then waited a half hour. And then at six o'clock, he started a two-hour auction. Yeah, he did and, like a two and a half hour auction at ours, and we didn't talk much about yeah. it in detail. But I can tell you right now, uh, I can finally admit it. It was exhausting. Yeah, of course. I mean, it was, you know, and, and some of the stuff he was selling, I'm like, geez. But one of the things he was selling was the um, auction out for the printed test scores of the first test screening of Jersey Girl. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of cool. Like, I'll bid on that. And this is like an hour into this auction. Nobody has bid 
$69 for anything. And I was like, how? How are we in a room of Kevin Smith fans and nobody's offered $69? Like They did so it a bunch at ours. Did... They did it a bunch at ours. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> like, yeah, I started the trend, okay? Because like, you're the originator. It's like, yeah, that's me. I, I came up with the 69 joke. Um, no. <laughs> Um, somebody bid 50, I bid 69. It's like 69, very cool. Anybody beat that? And somebody's like 76. I was 69 bucks and I have something for you on this thumb drive. And he was like, okay. So he called me up and I was like, hey, and I'm walking up. Like, it's a Schumacher cut of Batman. He's like, oh my God. And he's like, who are you, new best friend? And I'm like, dude, it's me, Joe Black. You don't remember? And he's, I swear to God, like, I mean, you can see this. I don't know if anyone else could, but he literally went like this. He was like, like his face just like dropped. And he's like, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I remember you, man. And I was like, cool, how you been? He's like, I'm good. How about you? I'm like, I'm good. I give him the thing, I take the clerk's thing. I and after so after the auction, like fucking finally, it's eight o'clock, and the lights go down and the screen lights up, and the trailer for the flash started. And I was like, oh my God, like, what the fuck? Like, I just want to watch this fucking movie. So I got up to take a piss. And as I'm leaving the theater, he's standing in the back. Yeah, he was and doing that at our screening aside. too. Yeah. Yeah, he pulled, he pulled me aside and he was like, hey man. He's like, hey. Um, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's you and your brother, right? Like your brother here's, you know, you, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, just look, man, like I've been, and he starts crying. He's like, I've been talking about you for like two years on this tour. And I was like, yeah, I know. I heard <laughs> like, and he's like, he's like, he said, I'm sorry for how things went down. And I just want you to know that you did nothing wrong. You know, you just spoke your truth. And he's like, and you prepared me for how people were going to receive that movie. And I'm not trying to be petty when I say this, but like, it stood out to me that he said, I'm sorry for how it went down. Not that he, he didn't say, I'm sorry for how I acted or how I, you know what I mean? Like, so that like stuck with me that he didn't apologize in a way. Like it was like, a, you know, not that he had to, but I just want to point that out. Like there's, that make that matters to me. But he got done saying what he was saying and, you know, he's tearful and I was appreciative. And I said, look, I promise you that nothing you did or said that night hurt or disturbed me nearly as much as the movie itself. And he laughed. He thought that was really funny. And he said, are you still a LA based? I said, yes. He goes, dude, come to the Smodcast, uh, uh, the, the fat man beyond podcast. Um, uh, uh, the weekend, uh, the week after the flash. And we'll, you know, like I'll talk about the Schumacher cut. And I said, look, you can tell people you saw it, but you can't tell people that you have it. And you can't tell anybody that I gave it to you. And he was like, of course not, of course not, of course not. And it sounds like he did both of those things. Two nights later, he goes on, or like three nights later, he goes on his podcast. He did a a, a Zoom podcast. And he, I've got the Snyder Cut. I'm going to make you a copy, Mark, so that you can watch it. And then we're going to talk about it on the, you know, and I was like, fuck, like, you know. So we go to the, my wife and I go to the podcast a couple weeks later and, uh, oh, what did you think of the flash? Oh, I, I saw it. Uh, Warner brothers invited me to see it at CinemaCon like many months ago. Uh, I'm a big fan. Loved it. I loved it. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, if um, you can see, I, I have the the Keaton. I do teaser one sheet in my light box there. He's my favorite Batman yeah, of all time. I didn't time, know if that was because so. it was Keaton. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's just yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, we we've been a huge supporter of the movie in terms of the brand. Myself, um, I've been honestly, I won't lie to you. I've used the Schumacher cut and the excitement from this to allow myself to mend my wounds over the box office and how it was received overall. So I, I've kind of taken a few steps back from it because it, it took up like a good four, five months of my life, like indefinitely, where it was an everyday thing. And uh, it, it, it hurt me a little bit. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But yes, I, I, I loved it. Um, so far, it's my favorite movie of the year as of right this second. Um but I do see the new Mission Impossible tomorrow, so we'll see. We'll see where we go with that. But yeah, so far my favorite movie of the year is Maestro, uh, and the Roadhouse remake. Um, You've seen so the Roadhouse remake, motherfucker? Are you? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, well, oh, I love but, the original um, so much. But um, that is one of those movies where it will be very difficult to see anyone else other than Patrick Swayze. But anyways, I can't I, say anything. I digress. I saw a test screening, but but it's it, yeah yeah. Talk to me later. Yes, I'll we'll, we'll chat. We'll be but chatting anyways, about but, that. But but I, I loved the Flash. I loved I loved the Flash. Um, and uh, we sat. We got there to the podcast an hour before it was supposed to start, and he showed up an hour late. So it's eight o'clock when it's supposed to start at seven, and they don't start until eight thirty, I guess. And then the whole first hour and a half of it was talking about the Flash, and like um, Kevin really liked it, and I was. It's the first time in a long time that I've actually like agreed with Kevin's perspective on a movie. Oh, very and nice. then Mark Bernard was Mark was talking and I everything he said was like, I don't know, man. And I found it like racist. He was like saying the whole galaxy has to like change because of the death of one white suburban housewife. And I'm like, she's not white. Like, I'm like, what? Like she's not white like, at all. You know, Did he was, not hear her accent? I, I know. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's 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 Hispanic. And he goes, he goes, and he turns to me, like I'm in the crowd. He turns to me, he goes, he goes, he goes, ever been to Spain? white people live in spain go to spain and let me know and i'm like what are you talking about like like it, it was very weird it was a very weird but anyways they so they start to talk about the schumacher cut and mark was like i haven't seen it yet i did not get a chance to watch it I blah, blah blah and kevin i swear to god he goes he goes well before i talk about the schumacher cut let me tell you a little bit about the origins of how i got it and he turns and looks at me and goes like that and i'm like and he's like, what's your name? And I was like, what? Joe Black. He's like, Joe Black gave it to me. And I'm like, holy fuck. Because like, at that, at that, that point, he, you know, and. Were you like shaking and, at and that moment? Like, how did that feel and, for well, him to put you on the spot and fucking say your name in front of all these people? Look, it was fine. It like, I. I, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to like say that I'm mad at Kevin Smith about. Oh, I'm no, no, not. no, no. I just it's I just fine. Mean, I feel no, like you know, I, I would have been taken aback a little bit like, oh, my God, like I was being it put was, on the it, spot. It you was know? Like, no, <laughs> like, no. But but he said, he said, don't worry. The cameras aren't looking at you. They can't see your face. And I said, I mean, at this point, fuck it. Like, you know, and he goes, well, come on up. You know, and we got to talk about it. And. um. It was cool because at first we were talking about Batman Forever, and then he brought up the Clerks Three thing. Oh shit! And and he, it was nice though because it was like a um, he 
he let me speak my piece and he didn't seem attacked in a way like we had it and i held my ground like because he's he told everybody he's like joe said to me that night like you've betrayed your fans and betrayed yourself the audience is like oh you know and and i said and uh, you know i still feel that way like i don't know you know but it was it was just about standing my ground and and me you know and it, and it kind of ended with and i also pitched what i would have done with the ending of clerks three and then i also like told him that like you know, the ending felt disingenuous to me because like you are better than you give yourself credit for basically. And like the last talk he did, right? The day that he had his heart attack, the last, they filmed a, a talk he did earlier that day. And he ended that talk by talking about how not talented he was. And I told him that like, that's that's just not true. And I understand what he meant by that. Because like, it doesn't take talent to do what I do. So don't think that you can't do it because you're not talented, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it does. Like you changed it. You, you, we're all here because of your talent. You, and as soon as you can get, and I got to tell him like in front of, you know, his whole audience, like, and on the thing, like, as soon as you get over that, like, it's going to be a great life, you know, like for you, like, like, cause that's what matters to me. So like, you know, the Schumacher cut thing was, was, I did not give it to him to, to, getting his good graces i did not give it to him to be on his show uh i did not give it to him knowing that anybody would know about it i gave it to him like to say like you know i'm sorry for <laughs> to steal a quote from him i'm sorry for how it went down that night yeah. you know what i mean there, uh, that, like, that that's perfectly like, fitting though within the context of what you're saying yeah. to him versus what he said to you and and then at the end of the podcast, an hour later, he announces that he was going to screen it as theater, and I'm like, oh my god, like, damn. <laughs> like, so wait, son of a bitch. so what he said that like, did you say anything to him? Did you guys talk about it, or did he just basically no, walk off? Because and be he was like, up on stage, and then yeah, and I, so like, I spent a time trying to get it with his people, like, look, he cannot do it. He can't do that. He can't, you know, whatever. So, and we, we worked it out and you ended up seeing the version that, you know, whatever you saw, um, like I, I jumped through some hoops and, and made sure that that was the version that everybody saw, um, with the HD footage, which and, is still, you know, like you said code. earlier, the version I saw is still the Schumacher cut. 100%. Yes. I did not change a single, I, I, right. I well, I told you, I changed one little thing where like the slow motion shot of Robin jumping on the chandelier in Wayne Manor was like a few frames longer in the Schumacher cut, but it was still slow motion. I just slowed down the slow motion shot just a little bit more to match the same time. But other than that, I didn't change a thing because I thought that part of the fun of seeing it would be like where you see even by a frame or two, how that frame or two can make all the difference. Of course. Yeah. And um, you know what I mean? So like, I, I thought that that was really important. You know, if I had my way, I'd throw in the fucking Joker or the Riddler thing again. The, you know, why can't I kill the Riddler you? Riddler like, if I was yeah, going to do anything yeah. to it, I would throw that right back in there. But like, it's not about me. You know, it's not about like this. Like, look at like look at your podcast, man. Like, like, like this thing that you're doing. Like, and even if it's not your podcast or your audience, dude, I barely know you. Like, the fact that this has done anything, even if it's just been like a shelter from the flash shitstorm or what you know whatever like that's important to me i mean what it's like, done what it's done for us is uh, magical in a sense i mean i'm uh, like i said i've been part of the movement in terms of you know the tweet storms that i've been a part of with at cut schumacher on twitter i've always believed that it exists 
Um, I'm the I'm the type of person that I'll never say something doesn't exist unless I I see proof that it doesn't. And hearing so much talk about it and us, us seeing all that additional footage over the years, I'm like, it exists. It's there. It, it, you know, it has to exist. And you know, I won't lie. I wanted to be like the first person to fucking see it. You know, I really that that that's important to me. Like, um, just like when I saw the Flash at CinemaCon a few months ago, it was really exciting. Like, you know, it's like feels like you're a kid again. You know what I mean? Like this this excitement that's boiling inside you. And we went through hell to see it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, I mean, like I told in the last episode, we sat until three in the morning and I was just so thankful and appreciative that I got to see it. I think it's special that I got to see it. And I think people appreciate it. And also just confirming to the world so many people that this is important to, you know, that are fans that now they know it's real. And you coming on right now and discussing it further is helping push that in terms of the fans and them realizing like it's possible. You could possibly see I, this at some time in the future. Yeah, I just wish that, like, I hope that they don't, like, you know, like, the problem with the, with the, with the, with this Schumacher cut and other people seeing it is that if they do some kind of, like, I know you guys talked about and Kevin and Mark talked about on their podcast, like, releasing, like, an extended cut on a 25th, on a 30th anniversary, you know, you know, Blu-ray. Which or is only two years away. We're only two uh, years away right now. Right like they still won't be the same because it'll have different music it'll have you know what i mean like like it, it and like that'll be because some of that some of that stuff you know you got stuff like you said from peewee there's stuff from interview with the vampire there's okay stuff, so that's you know what, what I mean? that, like, that that's what that's from okay all right good to know yeah, yeah, yeah i knew there was some music that i that sounded familiar but i didn't know exactly what it was yeah the the gothic gay filmmakers of Hollywood in the mid nineties had to stick together at that time, you know? right? Like uh, Neil Neil Jordan and Joel Schumacher, what a what a powerful force they were in the nineties. Um, I uh, um, working in tandem, um, but uh, like it's just a shame that like the business side of this of of this art form in industry like is just so, so fucking awful. It's it it's it it just would like. Do you know what, like, I think the most accurate show about how this industry works is, honestly, is that new show that everyone hates, The Idol? Oh, with uh, The Weeknd? Yeah, yeah. That is, like, one of the most accurate portrayals I've seen of how this industry works and the people within it. Like, and I'm like, that's why nobody likes it, and that's why everybody thinks it's dumb and they can't believe it, because it's so true. Um, The business side of this industry is so... It has to be what it is, though. Like, so before I, like, you know, talk shit about it, it has to be that way to make things work. Unfortunately, there has to be a system in place. You know what I mean? Right. Because, like, because the creatives were so self-indulgent, we'll, we'll, we'll run it into the ground, you know? Um, so, like, you need it. You need it. Um, that being said, I prefer the Frank, uh, what Frank Zappa said about music. He's like, the problem with music nowadays is that, like, when you're trying to do stuff in the sixties, it was a bunch of old dudes chomping on cigars saying, yeah, do whatever the hell you want. I don't know what you're talking about. But then when you started trying to make music in the seventies, the executives now were like these people who thought they were young, hip, cool people who knew their, what their finger, you know, had their finger on the pulse and knew what they were talking about and how to tell artists how to make their movies. 
uh, or in music and such. Um, so like the business side of this will mean that no way will this movie ever be seen by a major audience in this purest form. So you don't, so uh, that's unless, what I was going to ask you. So you don't think you don't truly believe that Warner brothers will put any effort at all whatsoever into this and release it in any shape or form. I think they will, but it won't be. I think that if it they, won't I be, think the, they will. Okay. But it won't be it the, won't the be version the that I saw. Right. And sense. that's not to say that like, like unless they hire somebody to like redo a score that is more in tune with the music in this version, like, like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, it won't be the same movie at the end of the day. That is very it. true. That's so, very true. And that's something that I mentioned on our episode that you listened to. I said the music made all the difference, even though it's just temp track music. It, it made it feel different. It gave tone. a different vibe and the tone yeah. and everything. Yeah, for sure. That and the ADR, like, or the lack of, like, those two components. And, um, you know, like I said, like, you know, if people end up seeing it one day, like this version, like, just know my hands are completely clean of it. I gave Kevin what I had, like, because I don't want this to, I don't want this to get out there. I don't want this to become a thing. I don't want anybody to lose money. I don't want anybody to lose faith. I don't want anybody to lose jobs. I don't want this to be something that people, you know, like I, I like it was for him as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? Yes. And like, yes. you know, whether, whether that was a mistake for my sake is yet to be seen, but well, if it know, was, whatever, well, if it was, but... if it was Joe, thank you. You made a Dude, dream come I mean, true like, for like, me. Like, you made a dream come true for me. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, and like, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna complain that like this comes back to what I need to be asked? You know what I mean? Like, like who, who the fuck am I? You know, like I have but one life to give for my country. No, I like fucking gave Kevin Smith Batman forever. And if like that something happens to me because of that, then so fucking be it. But like, I again, like, it's you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that it meant something. Even if the only people who ever see it ever are the 25 people who were in that theater that night. And my, you know, my friends a couple years ago, like I know for a fact that those 30 to 40 people are very grateful to have seen it and to have any kind of hand in that is a nice feeling. It's yeah. I, I did not like, I don't want this to get out there in that way without anybody's permission. I don't want, I just, I'm just glad that it's done what it did already. Like, that's really nice. It was not my intention at all. And I, I hope that Kevin, you know, is grateful, um, you know, which he seems to be. But, you know, he did throw me under the bus. <laughs> he did? Um, but, you know, he, he liked it, though. And he said it was a better movie. Yeah, I think, yeah, if he, anything, he, he pushed it forward is. the movement uh, in a positive direction in terms of, you know, the people that have been pursuing this for so long. Uh, so it, it was a, it was a good thing what you did in terms of, you know, that olive branch turned into an entire tree that's growing and it's becoming larger and, and, and really an olive or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so all these things are positives. And uh, as we wrap this up here, do you have any final thoughts on the Schumacher it's, cut as a whole? It's significantly better. Um, in my opinion, I think it's when I was watching it in that little private screening or whatever you want to call it you know a while back i thought to myself like this is the best batman movie 
that I've ever seen. And then Act Three happened. And I went, never mind, because the movie can't fix the two major problems. The Schumacher cut does not fix the two major problems. Uh, one of which being the whole third act on Riddler Island. I think all of that is just a wash. But another thing that I don't think it can fix is something that I know from listening to your podcast, you and I disagree on, which is that I think Kilmer stinks. I think he's. I think he stinks in both versions. I think that he is driven by ego and not the character. I think Kilmer is driven by ego. I think his performance is disingenuous and I think it's um, disconnected. And um, and I, the Schumacher cut can't fix that. It just gave him better things to do, in my opinion. That's that's for me. And um, I hope that uh, I hope that when they do eventually, you know, if and when they do eventually release like a closer version to the Schumacher cut is like some kind of special edition. I hope that everybody is very happy with seeing all the new stuff because the new stuff is great. It it's all great. There's not a bit of new stuff that is that is. Uh, that's a wash for me. I think all the new stuff is really, really lovely. And um, I, unlike you guys liked the way that Batman falling was intercut with the, the, from oh, when Lady he's falling from Lady Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was amazing. I, that's like, that's pure flatliners. That's, you know, um, I loved that. I rhythmically that, that worked for me like a charm, but I'm, and I, and I mean this when I say that, like, you know, it actually means more to me that, that you got to see it at this point than it does that Kevin Smith got to see it because ever since he announced that he had it, my feed has just been on everything. It's just been like swamped with Batman forever Schumacher cut, you know, algorithm based, you know, cause they saw that I was of searching course, for it. Cause I was panicking. Yeah. Like, Did he really? And, and um, even after my podcast, uh, uh, when I was on his podcast, rather my podcast, Jesus, what a terrible thing you just said, his podcast that I was on, <laughs> uh, uh, like, even after that, like, I've seen so many things about it. And it's so interesting. Yours, your, your feed came to me, like, sponsored by Facebook, which is the only social media that I have, which is Facebook. And unless you count YouTube and um, uh, for some reason I chose to engage with yours and partly because I wanted to know if he actually played the Which cut he showed. Yeah. Right. But then I listened to your podcast and that's when I started messaging you about it. And then I found out that Kevin bracket knows you. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, you know, like that's, it's, it's interesting to me that your, yours was the, and like I said, so many people after Kevin's thing reached out to me wanting me to, and I just like, no, no, it just, it just felt wrong and disingenuous. And I don't want to say I was worried about getting in trouble because at this point, if I was going to have gotten in trouble or if I am going to, it, you know what I mean? Like it's already happened. You know what I mean? Like, but the ship's already sailed, you in know, a sense. yeah, exactly. So like, that wasn't it. It was just like, no, like, that's never what this was about. But it, there's something about the way your post and then your podcast presented itself that almost reminded me of why I made that Clerks 3 video, you know, that like, no, like, like, that's somebody who, because there's, there are fans. And then there are people who care. You know what I mean? Like fans, you know, not to play God or speak with any kind of judgment, but like 
fans to me are they don't care fans don't care but there are people who actually care like fans as long as indiana jones has the whip in his hand it's going to be fine you know what i mean fans very true very true as long as aquaman says my man they're gonna you know you know um but like you know the people who care like that's that's important to me it's important to me that people care so i'm glad that you care and i'm glad that not only that you care but that this you know has a place in your story if you will you know what i mean like your your journey i mean mean, that's really cool a massive story for me uh in terms of being a content creator a podcaster a movie critic um call me what you will ladies and gentlemen um but this year as a whole has been the biggest year for this brand that i've been pushing since 2014. uh some people have come some people have gone but i've always kept my passion at the core of what this thing is and earlier this year warner brothers invited me to see the flash cinemacon and this was literally on the same level if not bigger uh in terms of my excitement um being able to see this cut of the movie uh, and especially like you know opening night 1995 i was a fucking fifth grader and i saw that movie and i loved it then um but seeing a different version that is truer to that vision that joel schumacher had which confirms that he understood the character which completely disintegrates all of those shit opinions that he didn't understand the character i mean not that it was a matter of me saying i told you so but it made me feel good to see it for myself and say like listen he got it he nailed it we just didn't get to see it in the way that he intended for it to be seen uh, it's not as well i think in a way he, yeah i think in a way he got it more than burton burton turned batman into his world and i think that schumacher fully realized batman's and i think that it ultimately paints a tragic portrait that the movie that joel schumacher is most known for by at least people our age is the movie where he said fine hollywood only sees me as one big gay joke so that's what i'll be for them this time i'll be a big gay joke with batman and robin and and that's that's tragic in a way um, it really is and and, and, uh, and you and i know as well that after batman and robin he never had like a huge massive success uh that was relative to what he did with the batman movies after that it wasn't that he was blacklisted but he was viewed a certain way because of batman and robin and it hurt the remainder of his career even if he pushed out good movies Phone booth yeah, is good. Phone booth would, it had a moderate, you know, success. And then eight millimeter, he tried to do that thing that all artists mistakenly do, which is they try to 180 from the last thing they did, where like he did the big, you know, goofy, silly, cartoony Batman and Robin. So I'm gonna do the way too gritty, you know, too gross eight millimeter. And then was it number twenty three? That was another moderate hit. I mean, yeah, he like you said, he worked, but you know. Honestly, I- I always just felt good that he got to work with Jim again because clearly they had a good, yeah. a very good uh, relationship. But I think if Number anything, twenty three is dope. That movie's yeah, cool. No, yeah, and it, yeah. It, it's 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 underrated carry as well. Um, but in terms of this, though, I mean, I think I can speak for the entire movement uh, to thank you for what you've done, unintentional or intentional. What you've done um has really opened the eyes of so many people and 
given them something to possibly look forward to? I mean, I think that's the biggest question I've received in the comments, in emails, in messages, and YouTube comments everywhere. Where can I see it? When can I see it? And I say, listen to the episode. Because in the episode, we just say, we don't know. Because that's the truth of the matter. I mean, what what the reality is, is that Warner Brothers owns it. Um, I think at the Disc Father on Twitter stated that someone that he knows at Warner Brothers already said that they're not interested in doing anything with it and they don't want to spend the money on it. I mean, I'm sure you can, you're shaking your head. Yes. I think you can attest to the fact that it's going to take some money, you know, unless they're just going to throw yeah. the work print on the special features uh, as it stands. Look, now. Warner brothers. Well, they couldn't because of the music licensing, which I think would actually be a great idea. And like, I'm sure it would cost a lot less to get the music licensing than it would to, um, to do a new score or do it, you know, like, and I think that the people who care enough about wanting to see it will watch the work print just fine. Um, but um, uh, I hope that Warner Brothers, even outside of this, the Batman Forever, I hope that every big uh, studio in the industry starts making money by, by giving people things of value that they want. And I think that this is something that people want and this has great value. It has great value in the context of Batman. It has great value in the context of nerd culture. It has great context in the value in, in the values and parts in entertainment and in Joel Schumacher's legacy. And 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 I would hope that if Warner Brothers does something with it, that they can make lots of money off of it and learn the right lessons from it. That like, you know, just just care. That's it. That's it. Just care. We went and saw Indiana Jones five because we cared about Indiana Jones. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. all you have to honor. It's as simple as that. For and, real. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And like, and like, you know, um, you don't have to subvert it. You don't have to do, you, you, you don't have to um, challenge it, you know, which is, which is something that I feel like a lot of modern movies do. Like, I, that's one of the reasons I really didn't like the Batman. I thought that the Batman was trying to challenge the way that a, a, a movie is made like that. You know what I mean? Like it felt like they made it three hours for the sake of making it three hours. It felt like they made the Riddler's costume, you know, like a fucking incel, like, you know, get up because they were challenging the very idea of it. You know what I mean? I still stand by that. I think that Eddie Murphy should have played the Riddler. Like that's the Riddler I want to see. I want to see somebody who's like so brilliant that like, like in the eyes that like that's scary. And the fact that they're, funny and presentable too. like Eddie Murphy, I think would be like the most incredible. I also think that Vincent Gallo would make the best Joker like ever. Well, I mean, um, you, you know, I mean, Eddie Murphy almost became Robin in Batman 89. So yeah. And so did, uh, so did, um, Marlon Wayans. Well, he, well, know, he and, Marlon Wayans was paid $300,000 for, for playing Robin and Batman returns and he didn't shoot a fucking single scene. Um, Lucky interestingly him. enough, yeah, well, luck, well, that character would not have, I do meshed in that world at all in terms of no no there's there's no room for a robin in that world but yeah well because burton made a tim burton movie and joel schumacher tried to make a batman movie and you know and i actually you know what is it the brave and the bold is getting yes well i feel bad i feel bad for for both of them actually i've been in contact with barbara for uh andy's sister who's the producer on the flash and it and all of his projects 
uh, I felt so terrible for her because I was a huge advocate for the Flash. And, um, you know, a few weeks after it came out, you know, we're friends on Instagram or whatever. And she saw my post, which was I'll always support this movie because I'll always support the movies I love no matter what anyone says about them. And she was just like, thank you. It's been it's been very rough. You know, people hating on a movie before they even see it. Unfortunately, that's the culture we live in, which is a totally different podcast. We could talk like hours and hours about that. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's it, I'm excited for Andy. I think he understands the character very, very well. I think he'll bring an exciting mm-hmm. take on the character. And also it will it'll be literally think about this logically. We've had. Next year it'll be 35 years since batman 89 right so that means we've only seen robin in two movies in that 35 years of batman being in how many movies so and 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 knowing robin he's such an important part of that character in that story and you know depending on which version of the comics you look at uh so it'll be interesting and exciting to see what they do I know they've, you know, they've they've done Robin and the the DC shows and stuff like Titans and all that, but it, again, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that too. I I have not watched it. Yeah. I just know that people that listen to the show enjoy it and stuff. But it'll be exciting to see, you know. Finally, another mm-hmm. another take on that. It'll be just something to look forward to for sure. But uh, as we're wrapping this thing up, I think we nailed it pretty hard, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for listening to this follow-up. I couldn't be more thankful and appreciative to you, Joe, for coming on. And not only that, but for reaching out, because it was like you legitimately were just asking a simple question like, hey, what version did you see? And somehow, you know, uh, I'm just seriously thankful that the movie and our social media presence connected to it got you involved in a sense where you could see it and then we could chat and then bring you on. I know it's a hot topic right now and uh you fleshed out pretty much everything I want to know except for who gave it to you. But I'm not going <laughs> to ask I'm not going to ask that because I think some things are better left unsaid that are better left as legend. And I think that's exciting mm-hmm. in, in, in Hollywood lore, if you will. You know, like there's always going to be that question. Where did it come from? Um, but I also love, too, how everybody thinks that Kevin was given it by Warner Brothers. I've seen that where, like, he's actually like they're just feeling putting feelers out there to see if they actually can do it. We, we, oh, yeah, we didn't. We didn't know. Stuff. Yeah, no. we didn't know. It was, it was like people. I mean, it, it, it would make sense in the long run if he if you were going to try to get that cut out there to get interest that you would give it to that guy. Right. But sure but but I, I i'm the biggest hollywood conspiracy theorist you'll ever be like they're all evil they're all <laughs> interconnected you have no idea but like at the end of the day like no it's just i'm just an idiot <laughs> like I, no you I just no no the reality so. of the matter is you just spoke your mind about one of his movies and you you know you went to his event and you like like you said he sent the olive branch say- and I will say to close it up from, from my end that that night when I was on Kevin's podcast and we, you know, um, I, and he told everybody I was the one who gave it to him. I said to my, I was like, Oh shit. After this, everybody's going to come up to me asking me to see it. And we got, you know, swamped by a bunch of people. One person asked if they could see it. Everyone else was telling me how much they liked what I said about clerks three and how much it meant to them that somebody finally told Kevin to stop talking ill of himself. Wow. So 
Well, that's a, that's a huge positive. Um, huge yeah. positive. I hope that his next movie is great. So, um, yeah, I really do. I, I wish the best for everybody. So that's it. Yeah. Well, oh, and also, again. like, I mean, yeah, if I can shamelessly plug my my own work. Well, no, of uh, course, I, as as is customary uh, on the end of every, every one of our shows, I was about to throw it to you where our audience can find you, what your projects are, and what you're doing. You can find me on bluemeanspregnantfilms.com, bluemeanspregnantfilms.com, and on we have a Blue Means Pregnant Facebook page. We also have our, uh, not our, our last movie, Natasha Hall, um, is available on Amazon um, to buy or rent. It's not on like Prime, but it's you can buy or rent it on uh, Amazon. It's um, it's got Dwayne Whitaker in it, the uh, pawn shop rapist from Pulp Fiction. It's got um, and it's got Corinne Bohr, my uh, my favorite actress. Uh, that's pr- that's pretty amazing, though, being able to work yeah, with your favorite um, fucking actress, right? Yeah, I got to work with a lot. It's got Ron Thompson, and it's got a it's got a few people. Um, a secret a secret Easter egg cameo in there, and we have a sequel to Natasha Hall coming out hopefully later this year called Suffrage. And we got a uh, Dan Roebuck and uh, Eric Roberts in that one. So we're we're oh yeah we're it? it's it's yeah. My wife is the title character Natasha Hall, and uh, that's my fourteenth and fifteenth movie. I've made fifteen features and. All the ones that I've made that never got like official releases, you can see on our website on bluemeanspregnantfilms.com. Amazing, amazing. And do you guys have anywhere on social media where you would like, you know, fans and listeners to come check you out or come say hi or anything? Or are you like kind of like, nah, I don't, I, I don't. I, it, it, yeah, no, I mean, it's all just, you know, Blue Means Pregnant, like I said, has a Facebook page. And then there's also my YouTube page is Blue Means Pregnant Films. So like, you know, and, and, and there's a contact thing on the website and you can contact me through Facebook. I love interacting with people and and growing the net of artists and supporting in any way I can. Like I've been doing this, I made my first feature in 2005. So I've been, I've been doing this now for since, uh, since Batman Begins came out, I was like, (laughs) wild. it's time to, you're like, I saw that Batman Begins movie. I'm going to make my whole life i went uh oh <laughs> about making a better movie than that um but thanks again seriously joe i mean it means so much to myself and not just myself but our listeners uh that are super interested in hearing about how this all went down as well as your own story and that that's always the most interesting thing to us in terms of loving movies loving filmmakers having them tell their stories i, I had a blast with you um if you this is your first time listening to the show, you can find Epic Film Guys on every podcast platform and on social media at Epic Film Guys on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok now because I was forced to do it. I know <laughs> I saw your face. I, I really didn't want to do it, but you know what? It's whatever. Who gives a shit? My 19 year old daughter in my like, life. I've seen one TikTok. She's like, I've you should do it. She's like, do it. And I'm like, uh, OK, fine. Um but also, <laughs> if, if you like what you're hearing, we we beg you, seriously. Spotify, it's easy. Just leave us a star review. You don't have to say anything. iTunes, you can say we suck. I don't even give a shit. Just leave us five stars. It helps us reach more awesome fans like yourselves. And with our last episode, in regards to the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, uh, we're literally at the highest I think we've ever been on the iTunes charts wow, ever. Great. We're in like the top ten of all time so um yeah i mean doing this for as long as we've been doing it i'm actually legitimately shocked that there's that many of you interested in this so 
again, Joe, we have you to thank for that inadvertently, but thank you so, so much. Um, so don't tell Warner Bros. <laughs> don't tell Warner Bros. You know what? They invited me to CinemaCon, but I doubt they pay attention to anything else I fucking do. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, well, Kevin, I mean, they invited him to the Flash premiere after he said he had it. So, like, you know, I didn't show it to anybody. He did. Uh, no, but, like, you know, I, I think it's fine. I love Warner Brothers. I love them, too. Uh, they and, made their advice. I so, mean, minus what, yeah. <laughs> minus what the guy in there making decisions right now is doing, which I won't speak on that. But I really enjoyed that documentary series on Max about the history of warner brothers that was fantastic but until yeah, next time I mean, as always <laughs> um we'd like to ask you to keep it creepy and we'll see you at the movies <laughs>